0: So if you're able, grab your Bibles and join us as we continue our journey in the Word.
1: So let's heed Jesus' words here. Stop, as he said earlier, you know, in the passage right before this about the blind following the blind. Stop following the blind and get out of the business of judging others. Let's leave that responsibility to the Lord. But let's start being useful to the Lord and leading people to restorative repentance and to the reconciliation with the Lord which that brings, you know, my prayer, my heart that I want to be, and for you guys too, is that we might be instruments of God's grace and His mercy, not self-appointed instruments of judgment and condemnation. But for that to happen, it has to begin with an honest assessment of our own lives first. Like you're always told in the briefing before you take off that flight, if you've flown on a on an aircraft, right? What are you told? You get into those seats and they come out, you know, the attendants come out and they go through the demonstrations and they tell you if you're sitting with a small child or with someone that's unable to help themselves, if the oxygen fails and the masks fall down, what are you to do? You're to take it for yourself first so that you're able to help the person next to you. And that's no more true than it is with this. When it comes to sins, first, we need help for ourselves. We need the Lord to deal with our sins. And then as he deals with our sins, we're better able to reach out and to minister to others. And I promise you this, when we're recognizing our own sins first, we will deal with the sins of other people in a very different way. That will be helpful. It will be restorative. It will bring healing to their lives and not just judgment and condemnation. Amen. So let's look on. He goes on in verse 43 and he says this, for a good tree does not bear bad fruit. Nor does a bad tree bear good fruit for every tree is known by its own fruit for men do not gather figs from thorns nor do they gather grapes from bramble bush a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks this statement is true not just as our basis for judging the speck in the eyes of others looking for the bad fruit, right? You could take it from that. I'm looking for the bad fruit, right? That's the speck I'm looking for. But but it's true in regard to the evaluation that we need to make of our own lives personally as we remove the plank. See, he's still in the same theme. This is not, we take these out of their context and we apply these as individual statements, but the truth, and they can, there is a usefulness to that, as we'll see in a moment, but the truth is, it's still in the context of talking about judgments. He's still dealing with this. Now, keep in mind, he also has the Pharisees in mind who are standing around here, too, who are judging people. And he's telling these folks, don't be like them. Don't be like them. By the way, judge the fruit of the way they're doing things and don't follow in their example. But at the same time, it's still connected what he's talking about, the fruit of our own lives, the planks that are, that need to be removed. Look, the scripture indicates that fruit is something that reveals the spiritual state of our lives, of all our lives. At the heart of that statement is the idea that fruit, whether it be good or bad fruit, isn't something that we produce but it's an an inevitable byproduct of who we are. And, And the fruit that gets produced in our life reflects the core of what we are. If we have been truly connected to and rooted to Jesus, our lives having been transformed by him, good fruit will be produced. Good fruit will be the natural byproduct of that relationship. On the other hand, If if we're still in our fallen state as human beings, rooted in our sinfully fallen condition into which all of us are born into this world, then bad fruit will be the natural byproduct of our lives. And as Jesus says, every tree is known by its own fruit. He's saying that our actions and our way of thinking reveal the true state of our hearts. A good man, he says, out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. In fact, Jesus says that even our speech reveals the state of our heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. You see? Now, again, we're quick to apply that idea to the lives of others. We're quick to look at other people and, and to determine where they are based on these things, and there's nothing wrong with this being a part of, of right judgments and evaluations that, that we're commanded to make in the Scriptures, but at the same time, this is also the same standard that we're to apply to our own lives first. We who think we're righteous, we who think we're spiritual, we who think we're so much better than the other guy or gal, We need to look to the fruit of our own lives first and make that evaluation. And I promise you that when you do that, you'll be a whole lot more gracious in your application of it to the lives of others. Look, I I lived a period of my life where I made my decision about where I was spiritually by comparison of others, you know, and that's a slippery slope. That's dangerous because the truth is, as human beings, nobody's going to measure up to where we are right? It's just our tendency. And so then we begin to elevate ourselves spiritually when in reality, the fruit may be showing something completely different if we were honest about it. So when we do this, we'll be a whole lot more gracious if we're honest in our assessment of the fruit of our own lives. See, most of us in applying the standard will walk away having been truly humbled, As we realize how far short we fall in regard to the production of good fruit in our own lives, we don't need to worry about everybody else. When we suddenly realize how far short we fall, we'll be focused more on that. We'll quickly realize that we are in no position to start judging others for their lack of fruit. Now, in fact, we might even walk away feeling pretty much unsaved at times when we look at that, even though that might not be the reality of things. You, there's some important things you need to understand about fruit, especially as you look at it in your own lives. And I think it's important because there's grace involved in this. But even though good fruit is the measurement of true spirituality, you, there are several things to consider about fruit. Number one, fruit takes time to grow, right? fruit takes time to grow. I don't care if you're looking at your life or the life of others, fruit takes time to grow. When you plant a tree, a fruit tree, if you go out today and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plant an apple tree, and you put it in there, I promise you It ain't going to produce apples overnight. It just is not going to do that. It's going to take time. It's going to take a period of time of growth and cultivation before the fruit begins to appear on the branches. That's a normal part of the growth process. And simply because fruit doesn't appear immediately, it does not mean that the process is not underway. It just takes time, and it takes cultivation. So while we most certainly are looking for growth, In our lives, in the lives of others, we can be patient and waiting on full development and, and just be busy doing what we can to ensure healthy growth so that fruit will eventually appear. I just shared with a fellow pastor this morning. We encourage each other on Sunday mornings. We write back and forth, but I encouraged him. I was going through a reading and it's just dealing with just things for, for those in ministry who are serving, particularly as pastors. And it was called the basically the Catechism of the Pastor. And it just asked these questions. If you've grown up with catechisms, I grew up a Lutheran originally uh, before I knew the Lord. doesn't mean you can't know the Lord and be a Lutheran. I'm just saying I did not know the Lord and I was a Lutheran. But I remember the catechism classes. We had a little book, and we opened it up, and th- there were some profound questions in there. It really dealt with the basics. There are a lot of things I believe today that I believe were instilled in me through that catechism class. You know, I didn't understand them because I had not given my life to the Lord. I hadn't really, I was still in control of my life. But when I did, I suddenly realized what a foundation I already had. The Lord was working through that. But in this, it was just talking about one of the hardest things of being a pastor is you speak and you share and you see people nod, but you know full well the vast majority of people will walk back out the doors and by tomorrow the message will be long gone and not much will seemingly be happening. And the point that the guy made was that he goes back to the book of James and he talks about the work. It's like planting and farming. You know, James talks about that in the book of James, but that you, it just takes time. It's like a farmer. You've got to be patient. And he said, even though you don't see it happening, the growth may very well be taking place. And I can tell you that now having pastored here for 20 years, I've almost 20 years, I've seen that. I've seen people who for five, six years I could have looked at and said, well, they're not getting nothing out of this. There's no growth taking place. And then suddenly one day it was like they woke up and and it's like transformational. And it's like, wow, it took a long time. but But I've learned that the things that seem a long time to me are not necessarily long to the Lord. If he's got their hearts and he's working on them, it takes time. And the Lord knows that and he's working in them and he's getting the weeds out and he's pulling the rocks out of that rocky soil and giving the seed opportunity to take root and to truly grow. We don't always see that as human beings. God does. He knows. But we don't see that, and so we need to understand fruit takes time to grow. So we can't just pass a judgment, even in our own lives. Now, look, I'm certainly not saying that for you to look at your own lives, if you realize that there's bad fruit being produced, that you can just sit back and say, well, I'm just not there yet. No, be convicted. Be convicted. You know, it shouldn't be. As you realize, if you know there's bad fruit growing in your life or no fruit in a particular area, it's time to get before the Lord because that should not be. And, and now that's an opportunity for you to, to get in front of the Lord and say, what needs to correct in my life? What needs to change? Where am I not following what you've asked of me, Lord, that would bring this about? Where am I not yielding to your Holy Spirit's work in my life so that this can change? Where am I simply not saying no to the flesh? You know, and, and, and for that to begin to, that process to begin to occur. But at the same time, understand that you might look at others around you in Christianity and say, well, they're so much further ahead than I am. I'm just, I've heard people say that. I'm not so sure I'm saved when I look at other people. And I always bring them back to the question, well, tell me about your salvation. Tell me what you believe salvation is. Is it your outward works? What is it? No, I believe it's my belief in Jesus Christ. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. What does that mean to you? What does belief in Jesus Christ mean to you? It means that I believe he's my savior, that I can't do this on my own, that I can't cleanse my own sin. I believe his work on the cross for me was sufficient. I put my faith in him and trust in him and I'm depending on him. And then I look at him and say, then stop comparing yourself to someone else because the truth is they just may be a little further along in the fruit production process, but there's a ready fruit in your life just by the fact that you can confess that. There's a ready fruit there. So don't underestimate. But fruit takes time to grow. Second, fruit grows in seasons. Fruit grows in seasons. You know, if you drive through an orchard in the winter, and we got lots of them around here, but if you drive through the orchards in the wintertime, everything looks dead and barren right? I mean, if you went by that standard, you'd start cutting down trees. But the fact is, we all know that they're not dead. They're just dormant, and they appear barren because they're in that dormant period of the year. But inside of that tree, in the inward parts of that tree that can't be seen, the sap, it's still building. And it's getting ready for the next growth season. And the tree itself is actually growing. You just don't see it. And given the right conditions, it will begin producing fruit in the spring again. But because it isn't producing fruit in the winter doesn't mean we can pass judgment on it just yet. Just yet. Let's keep fertilizing. Let's keep cultivating. Let's keep waiting a bit. Let's wait and see what happens. Let's give it time and see what happens as the season begins to warm again third some fruit grows in cycles we have we used to have these trees I had to get rid of them they're just just telling you this is an awful illustration because the truth is what I'm about to share with you is more out of the pit of hell than it is from heaven but we had these trees in our front lawn they were sweet gum Did you guys ever have a you know a sweet gum tree is they produce these nasty-looking little balls and it's fine. They, they have big leafy leaves and they're fast growing trees. And whoever owned the house before us wanted them in the yard because they grew fast. But what happens is in the fall, these things drop and they got spikes on them. They look like COVID. They look like the COVID picture. They get down, there's COVID to your lawn. They get down in your lawn. It ain't as easy as just raking them up because they embed themselves. And you're dragging and digging, and I don't care how many there are. There's just so many of them, and then i got to feel bad for my neighbors because they're all over his lawn too, right? And i got to go over and help rake up his. But I just finally got tired, and I cut those things down. But here's the point. One of the things I learned as I looked at that is that some years that tree – produced more of those balls than they did in other years that was the fruit of the tree right It's the seed being produced It's the fruit that it produced and some years it produced a tremendous amount of it and some years i had hardly any raking at all there were very little that that it dropped in that particular year and on the years when these 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 balls weren't being readily produced i noticed something interesting the tree itself was still growing and expanding In fact, in those years, I saw it expand even more. And then on the years when it dropped the balls, I didn't see as much growth on the tree. It was just producing all of this fruit. But in the years that it wasn't producing, I knew this. Eventually, it would come. And much to my dismay, it actually did. And that's what happens oftentimes in the lives of people. Fruit grows in cycles. There are cycles, but that doesn't mean growth is not taking place. You know, I see that when it comes to service, and I often talk to the folks here and those who've been with us a long time. They're watching now on live stream at the moment. You know, it feels weird to point at a camera, but I'm used to pointing at people. But, you know, the truth is I've often said about service, there's seasons in service where you're sitting and there's seasons when you go and serve. And, and when you think about it, a lot of the fruitfulness that we see is when you're out serving, right? We'd say that we see fruitful activity, but don't, I never underestimate the fruitfulness of just sitting. There's growth that's taking place that has nothing to do with the production of outward fruit, but has all to do with the inside that's taking place. And so, but, but that's harder to see, right? You could walk in the doors and see people sitting here. You don't see serving and think, well, what's wrong with them? Their Christian life is deficient. So I, grew up in churches to some extent like that, where if you weren't constantly active, there was something wrong with you. Use it or lose it, you know, kind of thinking. And I just, the more I looked at the Scriptures, the more I realized that wasn't true. The more I looked at the Scriptures, the more I realized there were times when the disciples just sat at Jesus' feet, and then there were times when he sent them out. But the fruitfulness was still happening. There was still growth taking place. You just couldn't always... See it. And so realize that fruit grows in cycles. And fourth, bad fruit being produced has to be evaluated before judgments pass. Bad fruit being produced has to be evaluated before judgments pass. And what I mean by this is that sometimes bad fruit isn't the result of a rotten plant, but it's the result of wrong conditions. It's the result of wrong conditions. My mom loved when she was alive and she lived with us, she loved growing tomatoes. I even as a kid growing up she loved growing and I remember those big boy tomatoes she'd grow right and as she tended those stalks sometimes even as she would try to tend them she couldn't keep up with them enough and the stalks would begin to drop down she'd stake them but they begin to drop down to the ground and begin to grow along the ground and and then what would happen is either fruit wouldn't grow on those branches or if it did it would begin to rot and you could look at that and say, well, there's something wrong with the plant. Look at this. Fruit's rotting as soon as it's on there. But what what it was is the fruit wasn't rotting because the plant was bad. The fruit was rotting because the plant was hanging down to the ground and all the dirt was getting on it. It was being shielded from the sunlight. The sun wasn't hitting it the same way and it just tended to rot right away. So what was the solution? Invest time in properly caring for the tomato stalk, <laughs> right? Invest time in properly preparing and and managing and caring for that, that tomato stalk. She'd stake it properly. She'd lift the leaves from the ground and she'd clean off the, the fruit. She'd give it the opportunity to get the right sunlight and then wait and see what got produced to determine whether or not the plant was bad. I think Jesus had this absolutely in mind in the passage in John 15, verses 1 and 2. John 15, 1 and 2, he says this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, most traditionally look at this verse and they think what Jesus is saying here when he says taken away is he has the sense of it's being cut off, it's just bad. The Greek word, though, is actually better translated as lifted up, lifted up, rather than taken away or cut off, lifted up. Now, why is that significant? Because lifted up means something completely different than being cut off in the sense of being taken away as, as discarded or useless. I firmly believe that what Jesus is saying is exactly what I'm sharing with you in this illustration, that before final judgment on the life of the fruitless branch or that branch that seems to be producing rotten fruit can be determined, it first has to be lifted up, it has to be cleaned off, it has to be staked properly, it has to be properly fertilized, and it needs to be exposed to the sun's light. Sun's light, right? To the sun's light. And if it's genuine well, then good fruit will eventually come. And if it's not, then time will reveal. I think that this is a proper rendering when you consider what Jesus says elsewhere about wheat and tares, right? Remember what he says about wheat and tares in Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30? Matthew 13, verse 24, another parable he put forth to them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way but when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop then the tares also appeared so the servants of the owner came and said to him sir do you not sow good seed in your field how then does it have tares he said to them an enemy has done this the servant said to him do you want us then to go and gather them up no words pull them out tear them out they're bad right let's get rid of them but he said no lest while you gather up the tares you also uproot the wheat with them Let both grow together until the harvest. And at that time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barns. Jesus' whole point in this is that if you start ripping out what you believe are tares, you may be pulling out genuine wheat by accident. Because you're not seeing yet. The growth isn't far enough along to know whether it's genuine or it's not, or whether the fruit is really not growing, or whether the fruit isn't really what it's supposed to be. You don't know. Give it time to grow. Give it time to grow, and it will be sorted out in its good timing. Don't be so quick to tear out things that look like unfruitful tears, because you don't know yet, and you might be mistaken. Give it time. It's all Jesus is saying. So you see, it's not that that fruit shouldn't be used to make proper judgments. It absolutely should, but it's how we pass those judgments. This is still connected to what Jesus has been talking about on judgments and how quickly we make them matters because fruit production is much more complex a matter than we human beings like to think it is. I see my brother or sister in Christ doing wrong things, and instead of stepping in to do what's needed to help them grow, I use what they're doing as the basis of spiritual judgment against them. And yet I don't apply that same standard to my own life, nor do I want people to apply that to me. And that is a problem. That is a problem. I see the fruitlessness of my brother or sister in Christ's life, and instead of stepping in to help cultivate the spiritual ground of their lives, I step in and pass self-righteous judgment upon them, and yet I don't apply that same standard to my own life. And that is a problem. So you see, it's not that fruit is not a correct measure. It must be, or Jesus wouldn't have even addressed it here. It absolutely is. But it needs to be evaluated correctly and in a right way. And it has to begin with us first. It has to begin with us first. And short of looking at the fruit of our own lives, we will always be harsh and we will always be wrong in our judgments of the fruits in the lives of other people. And based on the context of this passage in its entirety, I honestly do think that Jesus has the other guy in mind as he's saying all of this to them. He's saying as it applies to, or rather, he's not talking as much about the other guy as he is to the lives of those who are listening to him. He's saying as it applies to the fruit of their own lives and the judgment that they're willing to apply to themselves before applying it to the other guy. That's why he says, but I say to you here, you see the Pharisees, the Pharisees did it in reverse. The Pharisees made judgments of other people the priority and nothing about themselves. Jesus is reversing. He says, let it begin with you first. Start here. Then you'll be in a better position to help your brother or sister. You'll be in a better position to witness me to that unsaved person. It's one of the reasons today. You know, do I think that we live in a sinful world? Yeah, you bet I do. Am I afraid to preach on sin? Absolutely not. I am not. I'm I'm not exclusionary because I believe in the grace of God. To believe the grace of God negates talking about sin. It doesn't. Both are equally important. But at the same time, I'm really less prone to quickly pass judgments on behaviors I see in people anymore. I can't say that was always the case in my life, but anymore, I'm not as concerned with that as I am with what's driving their sinful behavior, what's going on in them. Do they know the Lord? Are they connected to the Lord? Do they understand what cultivation can I do? How can I reach out to them and help them begin to grow so that we can find out whether they're weed or tear? so that we can begin to share Christ with them. And you know what? Whether it's an unsaved person or a saved person, the truth is the solution is exactly the same. For the unsaved person who's engaging in all sorts of sinful behaviors, the solution is not to say stop engaging in those sinful behaviors. The solution is what? To lead them into a relationship with Jesus Christ so that he can begin to transform them from within. And so that when we talk about sin, they can connect with that. They begin to understand why sin is a problem. But if you start to talk about sin and the behaviors, and what I mean by sin, I'm not talking about the sin we're born with in this world, I'm talking about sinful behaviors. Somebody's doing drugs, somebody's doing something wrong. We can talk to them about why practically that's not a good thing for them to do. But if we begin making that the issue with them spiritually, They're not going to connect why that's a spiritual issue they need that connection with jesus christ and i want to lead them to that connection with jesus christ so now that we can sit down and have a conversation about what the scriptures are saying about sinful behaviors what the solution is that jesus brings to the solution to the sinful behaviors that's important but how about the brother or sister that's in sin the solution is exactly the same you know we're really quick to pass judgment on other believers to say well i don't think they're saved Well, may those words never come from our mouths. We're not in a position to do that.